Albert Pools back with the Cardinals. The story of the week. We'll see how it all plays out. But boy, Cardinal fans buzzing about the return of number five. So our conversation is with Walt Jockety, the longtime Cardinals general manager, was here when the Cardinals drafted Pujols, when Albert made his debut. And I wanted to go back. I mean, how does this guy, future Hall of Famer, end up in the 13th round of the 1999 draft? And how did he make that camp in the spring of 2001? A lot of different stories about how he ended up in the big leagues at such a young age and people saying, well, you got to keep him. Mark McGuire said that. Well, I don't know. Bobby Bonilla's in the way. But all of these great Pujols stories, Walt Jockety had a front row seat. And then as sort of a bonus, we get into kind of Adam Wainwright, possibly his farewell. I know Adam has not said that. But I had Walt talking about the deal with Atlanta that brought Wainwright to St. Louis. Now the Braves are really hemming and hawing about giving up Wainwright. Didn't really want to do it in large part, not only because he was going to be good, but because Wainwright was from Georgia. I mean, it was a hometown guy that was going to end up following in the likes of Maddox and Glavin. And uh, Wainwright ends up here, and Walt Jockety tells us how that all sort of came out. And then we kicked it off because Walt still works for the Reds. He's a senior advisor to the team president of the Reds. I'm getting the title probably wrong, but something like that. And he mentions he had been going to a lot of games in Arizona this spring, and that means he's been hanging out with his old buddy, Tony LaRussa. So we get some LaRussa thoughts right out of the gate, then into the whole Pujols career, and then the deal that brought Adam Wainwright and Walt, among his many trades, bringing Jim Edmonds to the Cardinals, Edgar Renteria was a trade, Scott Rowland, of course, Mark McGuire, all of these deals are somewhat legendary around St. Louis. And then you factor in the Wainwright deal, his longevity we bring up. Is that, in fact, his best trade that he made as an executive uh, with the Cardinals? So Walt Jockety, the guest of the Kilcoin Conversation, it's time to talk some more baseball with the season beginning soon. Our conversations every week are brought to you by Appliance Discounters, theappliancediscounters.com. Huge warehouse, 80,000 square foot in downtown St. Louis. That means if you want an appliance, don't hear these excuses from the other guys about a supply chain problem. Go to appliance discounters. They can get things delivered quickly. Don't wait months. Get that appliance in days. Go online, theappliancediscounters.com. Check out all the great General Electric merchandise, GE rebates available. Their savings are your savings. It's not just a slogan. It's the real deal at Appliance Discounters. Triad Bank, St. Louis-based since 2005, and whether it's a home loan, car loan, business loan, make sure you're talking to the neighborhood-friendly bank that is Triad Bank. Just great people, whatever you're looking for. Again, if it's a car loan, they got it covered. Home loan, get that done. Business loan, they're based here. All the decisions are made here, so if you're a business owner, you want to be talking to folks who know how to get it done in our town. They're on Clayton Road in Frontenac and on the web at triadbanking.com. B&G Tuck Pointing, they are the best in the bricks. BGTuckPointing.com is the website. It's Bella and Gabby. Those are Rich Galati's daughters. Talk about a family-run business. He named it after his daughters. You see them in the commercials with Braden Shen during Cardinals and Blues games. BGTuckPointing.com, you can see a lot of the work that they have done, great examples of the before and after, whether it's the chimney, 
the garage or your home. Make those bricks look new again. They also do waterproofing and foundation repair. You can get a free estimate at 363-0525, especially right now during the rainy season. You might need some waterproofing. Check them out at bgtuckpointing.com. And Marie DeVilla Senior Living, corner of Clayton and Weidman Road, Villa Estates, assisted living, whatever form of senior living you're looking for, they have it on that beautiful 60-acre campus in West County. You can get a virtual tour at mariedevilla.com. That's M-A-R-I-D-E-V-I-L-L-A, mariedevilla.com. I feel like Jack Buck, M-A-R-D-E-V-I-L-L-A, mariedevilla.com. All right, the Kilquine Conversation right now with Walt Jockety. And, Walt, great to talk to you. Great to have a baseball season that's about to begin. As somebody who's been in the the big leagues for, for years, really almost your whole life, what, what's your level of excitement this time of year? Well, you know, uh, I'm very excited. I always get excited around spring training. I live in Arizona, so I get to see a lot of games out here. I go to not only uh, Cincinnati, who I'm with now, I go to their games, but I see a lot of other games. And, and uh, I went out to see Tony's team the White Sox a few times, so I, I get excited, and I, I've watched a lot of games on TV so far. Uh, I wasn't sure how excited I was going to be, but I'll tell you, once they started playing again, I, I got excited. And I want to get to a lot of Albert Pujols talk, him coming back to the Cardinals, but since you mentioned right. Tony, i got to ask, and, and I think I know you and Tony well enough to know that the answer might be 0%, but what level is Walt Jockety surprised? What percentage that Tony LaRusa is still managing at this point in his life? You're right. I think zero. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's, uh, yeah. You know, Martin, you know well enough, too, that he, he even though he's, he was out of it for a few years, he stayed close when he was with uh, the Red Sox and the Angels and still stayed, stayed involved. But he always had that burning desire to get back into it. He said, I want to get back and, and, and show them how to play this game the right way or something, you know. So he, uh, when he got the opportunity of the White Sox, and it's a perfect situation for him. You know, that's where he started his managerial career. Uh, the owner is a good friend of his, Jerry Reinsdorf. And, uh, it just, uh, and it's a great team. they got a very, very good team, and, and uh, they got a chance to go far. And I thought what was interesting last year, some of the younger guys, the Tim Andersons, would come out and say, hey, we love him, man. We might pick on him, give him a hard time by being old. But I always thought that was a bit of a misnomer. I mean, I didn't always understand him or get along with him, and now I feel like I I get him. I think it was a bit of a misnomer, too, that he had like a terrible personality, whereas the players, he was a grinder, he's intense, but he could also have fun and crack those guys up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, he he is, uh, I think, the biggest – uh, problem is people don't know Tony, and those of us who know him well know that he is a, a very diverse guy. I mean, he's, he's very intense. I've never seen anybody more prepared or intense than he is for a ball game. And um, he's got uh, as, as as time goes on. With he, he used to be, a, you know, he hates to lose, but he used to be really bad. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I couldn't even talk to him after a game. But he's gotten to the point where he knows he just turns the page and go to the next next day. So. But he, he does his, his, he's a lot of fun with his players, and I know the players love him. Because I, I went to see him three times last year in Chicago and spent time with him and down uh, by the field and stuff and met some of the players. And he's got Joe McEwing, Super Joe is his, one of his coaches. He's got Miguel Cairo, who he had in, in uh, St. Louis also as one of his coaches, and um, Shelly Duncan, Dave's son. So he's got a lot of people around him 
that uh, um, he he feels comfortable with. He's got he's got a very good staff, and I know he's he's really enjoying it. And I've had the opportunity to have dinner with him, dinner with him a couple times this uh, spring. So, uh, but he's he's having fun. What what's the maddest you ever saw him? Do you remember like were you Walt's walking in? Do 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 do. Okay, I'll come back tomorrow. Like, do you remember? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, um, that's a good question. There's, Usually, you know, early on, I wouldn't talk to him much after a game. Um, but but I go in sometimes, and you never ask him a question. He'll he'll just start telling you know, what he saw in the game and what if he thought he did something wrong, if he thought, thought somebody else did something, he he pointed out and 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 try to work on getting better for the next day. And how about the synergy between you two? I think the game has shifted. We know. I mean, it's pretty well reported that, like, the front offices have more control than they used to. Used to be more the managers were these huge personalities. I feel like when it was you and Tony, it was really a back and forth. You know, he might push you. Hey, I need a reliever, man. He might tell Rick Hummel in the paper, tell Walt I need a reliever. But yeah, I, I felt yeah. like you guys, that it was pretty equal. It was. And we, we had a great – and that's why we were successful, Martin, because we had a great relationship – we communicated with each other. Uh, we'd known each other for a long time. I've known uh, Tony since 1977, and uh, and I was with him at, with the A's uh, for a number of years. And then you know, uh, so when we, he came over to the Cardinals, we brought him over there, and, and it was a good transition for us. And, and you know, we the big thing is we communicated, and you the, the success of an organization, I believe, has to be the communication and relationship the general manager and the manager. If they don't get along or if they don't communicate, you're going to have problems. And um, Tony and I always had a great relationship, and it, it worked out well. At times he pushed me, or at times I pushed him, and um, it always worked out. You ever give him a guy at the deadline or pick somebody up off waivers or make a deal, and he says, really? That's you give me that guy? You want me to win with that guy, that bum? <laughs> Did he ever say yeah. stuff like that? Well, uh, no, he would uh, – Sometimes he'd wonder some of the, not necessarily the deadline, but there's certain guys we got that, uh, and I said, Tony, just trust me, just let the guy, and you know, it usually worked out, so um, there weren't too many disagreements like that. All right, tell me about Albert Pools. Here he is back in St. Louis, but in 1999, he's a 13th round pick. I mean, this is not a celebrated draft pick. What do you remember about the scouting on him back then? Well, I remember is that uh, we had uh, uh, you know some reports on him that he was at a junior college he could hit, but he was he's a little overweight at the time and and uh, uh, I think a lot of people passed on him. But we 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 scouted him again and during the summer after we drafted him because he wanted more money than what we were offering, and then after we scouted him again, uh, we decided to give him the money. And it wasn't a ton of money, but it was, you know, more than a 13th round guy would normally get at that time. And, uh, you know, he came in, and I'll tell you that just what he did in uh, his first year was absolutely remarkable. I mean, when you uh, we signed him, and, and you know, he went out to play in 2000, and he started in, in low A and went to, to high A, and I happened to see him. That was the first time I had a chance to see him during the season. It was uh, my son Joey and I were going out to Potomac to watch our club out there, and we got there the same day that Albert did. And uh, Martin, I'll never forget this. His first at bat, 
he came up with runners on base. And two strikes, boom, base hit, run scores. His second time up, same, almost the same situation. Runners in scoring position, two outs, boom, base hit, run score. But man, this guy, he's something else, you know. And he was only, what, 20 years old or something at the time. And uh, he finished the season in Potomac well, and, and we needed a uh, – uh, Memphis was in the playoffs in the Pacific Coast League, and we sent him up there to um, see if he could help them, and he did. Then we sent him to Arizona Fall League, and he had a good fall league. But I do remember at the end of the fall league having a conversation with him and Mark O'Neill, who was our assistant trainer at the time. And I told – talked to Albert about, you know – Mark was going to set up a program with, with the rest of our medical people to get them on a, you know, a, a strict diet and uh, weight training and conditioning program uh, for the off season, and we were going to bring them into big league camp. So we bring them into big league camp, and every I'm telling you, every week we had a, our cut meetings, and I'd sit down with Tony and the coaches, and like Sundays or whatever it was, and every day we'd get down to his name and say, "Well, what do you think?" Well, maybe we keep another week, see what happens. And it just went like that every single week until we got down to the end and Tony and I were talking about it. We said, you know, this guy's young and he's had a great spring. You don't usually judge players in spring training, but he had a good season his rookie year in three different levels. And we said, let's, I said, we're a better team right now if he's on our team. And uh, Tony and I talked about it, we agreed. So we gave him the opportunity and then uh, Bobby Bo got hurt. As they say, the rest is history. And Tony tells a story during that spring, so 2001, which is crazy. It's a year and a half since he was drafted as a youngster. But he said it was one of the games in Jupiter, and, and Albert hits a home run, and McGuire's in the dugout. He, he swears that McGuire said to him, if you don't keep this kid, you're an idiot, or something along, <laughs> yeah. those, something along those lines. I'm sure that's true. Yeah, but it's true because we talked about it. We thought, geez, you know, is it really the right thing? We're doing the right thing here. But then we said, this guy is just so talented. And, and you know, let's give him a shot and see what happens. And it was just remarkable the way he responded. And, and he was there opening day. It's Coors Field. I remember it in Colorado. Did, but did you think, all right, well, let's see. Let's give him a couple of weeks. And, then, and of course, now they'd say his clock's ticking. we got to send him back. But, I mean, did you think he was going to stick and stay? You know, I, I, I don't. I don't remember that because uh, I, I, I just think that we thought that we're going to give him the opportunity and see what happens. And, um, you know, we were all hoping for the best and then the best came out. So it was, it was just, it was remarkable. And, you know, really back then we didn't think about that clock. Thing. If, you, if you, we thought a guy was ready, we brought him in because, you know, we wanted to win. And if that guy, a particular player makes us better to win, then we'll, we'll keep him. And people forget that we, we we did sign the long term contract. I think after his second year or something, and he he was uh, it was a good contract. And for a minute, he didn't have a position, right? I mean, he played third, he played left. Right. McGuire was still at first for that last year, you know, two thousand one. Did you? Where did he project? And where was he supposed to play the big leagues? Was it always first base? I think first base, but we thought probably left field more so than third base, and. Uh, uh, so that's where we put him out there initially, and then uh, uh, then he gradually moved over to first base, and uh, he's a Hall of Famer. 
How about when Tony had him in left field? But remember, he had the arm injury. He couldn't throw the ball. And this is like this is when Tony gets creative. Some people say he's crazy. Tony's like he can play left, but he just can't throw the ball. We're like, well, what does that mean? He's like he'll yeah. flip it to short. Remember that yeah. stretch? Because mm-hmm. and he said his bat is that valuable. Oh, that's right. I mean, absolutely. And he, you know, just um, there's so many things that happened throughout his career. Um, you know, big moments that that he had. Uh, you know, one of the biggest ones I, I, I remember was uh, uh, in Houston in the, uh, uh, the the playoffs, and we were down what four to two or something, and we had two runners on. He was the last out against Brad Lidge, and he hits a three-run homer and continues. We win the game. We continue in the playoffs, which unfortunately we lost uh, when we got home. But I mean, he came up with big moments like that all the time. And uh, there was a time in Chicago one year where we were down by five or six runs, and he went five for five that day with three home runs and hit the last, his third home run, put us ahead to stay, and we ended up winning the game. Those are the kind of moments that I remember with Albert because he was a big game player. And uh, he, he always came up with the big hits in the right situations to help us win. So you weren't here at the time, but when Albert leaves St. Louis, were you sad about that? Did you, I mean, even though you yeah. weren't affiliated, yeah. I mean, you weren't here, but did you think, well, this doesn't feel right? No, it didn't feel right to me, no. I, I thought that I was hoping that he would finish his career there, and as it turns out, he is, yeah. sounds like. so. Um, but I was hoping that he would be always be a Cardinal, and uh, um, so it was a little disappointing, but, you know, it worked out okay, and... and uh, uh, I'm glad they brought him back this year to for the uh, his final hurrah and uh, you know finish his career as a Cardinal. And Jim Edmonds said this on the broadcast the other day. He said, "I don't care how old he is." He said, "If he's in that lineup and if he's on deck, he said, I guarantee these pitchers know exactly who he is, and there's value in that." What, what do you What do you think oh, that means in the baseball world? Even if he's not the guy he used to be, is there a factor there that intimidates maybe that other pitcher? Without a doubt, I mean you've got to be concerned about it. you can't you can't make a mistake with Albert. If you do, if you take him lightly, he's gonna he's gonna kill you. He's gonna uh, you know hit a home run or get a base hit driving. He's so big at driving in runs in, in key situations. Even today at 42, whatever he is, he's he's uh, he's gonna be a, a force for the Cardinals. And and uh, I just hope he stays healthy all year and gets a chance to uh, finish with a great season. What do you think makes him great? I mean, I know he's intense. I mean, he wasn't always warm and fuzzy with the media, but I think he was locked in. They called him the machine, and he only, it's funny because yeah. Tony always said, these are men, not machines, and then Albert had the nickname the machine. Like, he was a machine. What, what do you think made him great? Discipline and uh, just his dedication. His, you know, he's a very strong faith guy, uh, man, and he uh, believed in, in his faith, and, and uh, I think he just worked hard. Um, he had God-given ability, and he made the most of it. Never let up, and you know he continued even the off season to always train and be in shape for um, the coming season. I think more than anything, it was just his his work work ethic and his dedication and discipline that uh, made him the, the player that he is. Was there a time in 2001 where you said not just hey he belongs on the team, he's good? Were you and Tony maybe after a game were sitting around? You said, I, "I think this kid's a star." I mean, was there a moment when that happened? Well, I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. This is um, hard to believe, but it's true. 
I remember in spring training that year we were getting ready to break camp, and Buddy Buddy Bates, who was our equipment uh, guy at the time, was putting a uniform together for Albert, and uh, I, he said, uh, I don't know what number it was, it was a high number or something. I said, Buddy, I said, do me a favor, give him a number, you know, a good number, a really good number, because it might be retired someday. <laughs> but I was I was joking around, I had no idea. You know, but you knew he was going to be a good player, but, you know, he uh, his number should be retired someday. Well, Walt Clairvoyant back in the day yeah. with Albert. And, yeah. and, and it's well, not. He stood out so much, Martin. He was just, he was that kind of a talent that uh, you just, you, you could see it. And uh, I've, I've never seen anything like him before. And people ask me all the time, who's the greatest hitter you've ever seen? I said, without a doubt, Albert Pujols. You know, Mark McGuire was a good hitter, and a lot, I've seen a lot of good hitters, but Albert Pools to me was the best. And how about the fact he gets to ride this out, this last dance or hurrah, whatever people <laughs> want to call it, with his good friend Yadier Molina, who, by the way, yeah. is still going himself, which is remarkable. Uh, what 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 does that mean to you from afar to see those two kind of? And I'll mention Wainwright, but he gets mad because he says he hasn't announced that this is his final season yet. Yeah, he gets yeah. mad when we lump them together. So I'll put those two together. How about Yachty and and his farewell? And and if if this is it, then they have the chance. And I don't know how the voting goes, but they have the chance to be first ballot in Cooperstown <laughs> together, which would be phenomenal. Yeah, that would be fun. That would be that is definitely one I'll I'll attend and. Uh, you know, I think it's great because they were very, very good friends. They were very close, and uh, they had a relationship that was unlike most players, I think. And they 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 continued to stay uh, in contact with each other when Albert moved on to the Angels. <clears throat> and uh, uh, it's just, I think it's it's going to be like a storybook ending for these guys. And I mentioned Wainwright. Tell us what you thought his Cardinal career might be. You made the deal. You know, it's the J.D. Drew going that way, Marquis and Ray right. King and right. Marrero. And, I mean, you, Walt's made a lot of great deals. I've had people argue with me that, that this might be your best because he's going to end up maybe having the longest career of all the guys you right. traded for. Tell me about that deal. And, and didn't the Braves fight you on not wanting to give him up? Oh, absolutely. That was uh, I'm just a step back from it. I'll tell you. I, I, I had dinner with Tony one day in Chicago last summer and uh, with a couple of other people, and I told, we were talking about different trades that we'd made. And I said, you know, <clears throat> McGuire was a great trade, Edmund was a great trade, Roland, blah, blah, blah. But I said, Wainwright might be the best trade because just what you said, his longevity, what he, is, what he has meant to this team. He took uh, Chris Carpenter's mentality and, and work ethic and so forth and carried it through and is now carrying it on to the Flaherty's and, and Hudson and those guys, and it's it's uh, he's just a remarkable human being, another tremendous guy, and a good family man, and and just I'm happy to see him continue to be successful. Because he's a Georgia kid, did did the Braves say, "Oh, we'll give you somebody else"? Were they putting other well, people yeah, in the deal? Well, yeah, I'll tell you, it was a this is uh, this is uh, I go back to the movie. When John Schultz and I were at the podium at the winter meetings that year, um, I said, this is, uh, this is one of my favorite trades because it was like an old-fashioned baseball trade. We just went back and forth, back and forth. John contacted me after the season because he, he needed a left-handed hitter really bad. He really wanted J.D. Drew. And we kept talking back and forth, back and forth. And we got to the winter meetings that year in New Orleans. 
we met uh, like Friday night or wherever it was <clears throat> for a little bit to the two of us. The next day he wanted to have a meeting in his, his suite. And so I brought my guys that I thought would compliment the guys that he would bring. Uh, Jerry Walker, Bob Gebhardt, and so forth, Tony. And, you know, Bobby Cox was there and a couple of John's guys. So <laughs> we get up there and we were talking about this deal. And, and I said, John, this, we're not making this deal without Wainwright. It's just, he said, we can't give him up. He's, I said, well, either that or we don't make the deal. Because I knew how bad he wanted J.D. Drew. And we found out later that if we kept pushing him, that uh, he'd finally give him up, which he did. And, and it was, because uh, he was the key to the deal. And it was probably a double A, I think, that year. But he was the talent that we really liked. And, and deals like that don't happen with one phone call, right? So they could have no. been, was that over a couple of weeks? Oh, it's, it was, it started in November. We finished it. No, it actually started in October, and it finished in December. Oh. So it took a couple of months. So there's a lot of deals like that, right, where people are saying, hey, you idiots, you didn't make any moves at all, and you're like, man, we almost had so-and-so. Like, there's a lot of stuff right. that falls through, too, that you may spend months on, like somebody doing a business deal. Like, they think they're at the closing, and then the you know client changes their mind. There's probably right. – have you ever had a big deal that fell through? You're like, oh, my God, I thought we had – so-and-so well uh, I'll tell you one deal that took a long time was Jim Edmonds deal and that one started at the general managers meeting in November and uh, we finally completed it in about the third week of March in uh, I think it was 2000 2001 and it was Bill Stoneman who was the Angels GM at the time was you know really hesitant to give up Edmonds but then I guess they got in spring training, and we finally made the deal. I traded on Ken Bottenfield and Adam Kennedy, and Jim, Jim came our way, came our way, and, and uh, you know, another guy I think has uh, has definitely has Hall of Fame credentials. And what shocks me about Jim is not the career he had, how much he loves St. Louis. I mean, I always pictured him as like going back and surfing and skateboarding, yeah, right. like California kid. He's like. He's like Mr. St. Louis. I, that's the thing that shocked me about that deal is how much he became immersed here and how much he loves it here. I know you're right. Uh, I, I talked to him from time. In fact, he sent me a text the other day. He said, "You know, it's 22 years to the day that you traded for me, and he, you know, thanked me for brought him over, bringing him over there because he he loves St. Louis. He loved the Cardinals, and and uh, he's very very happy there." All right, I'm going to put you on the spot. We're going to wind this down here. But do you have a favorite? game from your time with the Cardinals and I'll tell you I've people have asked me this that I've attended and now the Stanley Cup was massive Rams winning Super Bowls thrilling but I said my favorite specific game was game seven and 06 at Shea and it's be- oh boy. and it's because of, it's not just Wainwright striking at Beltran it's because you know Roland was feuding with Tony but he's about to be the hero mm-hmm. with the home run Andy right. Chavez Chavez <clears throat> robs him but he's only in the lineup they're out there because Cliff Floyd rolled his ankle. So all these weird things are happening. And then you got the rookie who had to close it out. And then Shea is literally rocking in that ninth inning. He could feel it move. And the kid <laughs> strikes out Beltron. Uh, I, how about for you? Is there a I mean, I well, guess the World Series right. is tough to beat, I guess. Yeah, it is. But you brought up the exact game I was thinking of. Because it, it was such a monumental game. You know, it was a t- here we had this young kid closing because Izzy was hurt. And uh, he strikes out Beltron, and, and uh, you know, we get get to the World Series. And you know, we, if you remember, we only won eighty three games that year, 
and we we had uh, but we had a lot of guys hurt that finally came back for the postseason. One in particular that made a difference that year was was uh, Chris Carpenter. But you know the team we had in '04 was probably a much better team with 105 games, but we lost four straight to the Red Sox. But getting another opportunity to get the World Series and winning that Game Six, that final out was so emotional. It was incredible and. And then, you know, we played Detroit and uh, ended up winning the series. But it was that that particular game meant a lot to me. Yeah, and it, it's – I almost forget to mention, I mean, Molina hits a home run and Yachty was a light-hitting catcher at that point in his career in terms right. of people's reputation. And he ends up hitting one of the biggest home runs of that entire playoff run. All right, here's my last question. How many dinners with Tony have you walked – now, I'm sure there's plenty, just the two of you, but have you walked in and you're like, oh, my God, that's John Grisham. Oh, my God, that's a general yeah. from the Army. Oh, yeah. I've heard these are legendary, right? Isn't there somewhere there's like yeah. eight, nine people around the table? Yeah, there's, there's – you know, it's – uh, might be Bobby Knight, but John Grisham could be uh, uh, General Moore. Or it could, be, you know, you're right. It could be a number of different people. And uh, in fact, um, I'm having dinner with them Sunday night, and uh, it'll be Tony and I and a couple of our friends from the, our days with the A's, and Mike Schilt, who's out here coaching with the uh, um, third base coach, interim third base coach with the Padres. So that'll be a fun night. Oh yeah, he and Tony are very. I know Tony is. Tony's still yeah. mad about Mike's exit from the Cardinals. Those two are very tight. Yeah, you know, it's. Uh, it was. Uh, he did a great job there, and and uh, uh, wish Mike well. But yeah, there were a lot of great, great evenings, and just some of the stories that you know, John Grisham would tell, and uh, some of the other guys that we were with it was just remarkable. Yeah, that that was the best part of going to batting practice. We'd walk out there. And there'd be a guy who looked a little bit Hollywood, but maybe. And Tony's like, hey, man, you know who that is? I'm like, ah. he's like, you're the band Deep Purple? I'm like, yeah, because that's a drummer. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, how the hell do these? I think your clubhouse guys, like Walshy and those guys, they just say, we got some FOTs. I'm like, what? And they're like, friends of Tony's are here today. There was always an F-O-T. F-O-T. I think good. that might have been yeah. Joe Strauss who did that. FOT, friend yeah, of Tony. That's funny. Yeah, that's funny. Walt- well, then, you know, spring training, we had, we had Bill Parcells and yep. we had Ron Wolf and Bobby Knight, and it was, it was all, a lot of good times, friends, good memories. Friends, oh, Tony. Walt, great to catch up. Maybe we'll see you this season. You think you'll make it through at any point for a Red Series or a Card Series? Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. I hope to be up there sometime this summer. We could actually have a recurring segment with Walt and just do trade talk or do it specifically about one trade. We did a couple of years ago all about Mark McGuire, his arrival, how Walt knew him back in Oakland and able to get the deal done to bring him to St. Louis. But the Scott Rowland trade with the Phillies, Edmonds coming over from the Angels. We could do a whole podcast on trades, different moments in his career. But Walt's still involved in the game, working with the Cincinnati Reds. Hope you enjoyed the conversation. A lot of Albert Pujols talk as he makes his return to the Cardinals. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out. If he struggles, what do you do? Hopefully he hits. And if he hits some right-handers, maybe he gets more at-bats than people initially thought. Uh, One thing about it, and people have complained about the Cardinals, and I've done so myself, that they're a little too cautious or too pragmatic at times. Well, bringing Albert Pujols back is anything but boring. So I give him credit for that. I'm sure there's a business aspect to it. They'll sell more tickets, there's no doubt, especially early in the year when sales sort of, you know, sag a bit in April when it's cold out in May, and this will certainly spike some ticket sales, but... I think they also believe he could be a legit bat 
And Jim Edmonds, as I mentioned to Walt in the interview, really believes that, that just that threat with him coming up or on deck can really spook some of those other pitchers. You know, that's what Tony would always say. These young guys might spook at the big league level, and Albert might contribute to that. The Kill Coin Conversation, as always, is presented by Marie de Villa Senior Living. Cardinal theme there, the fact that Red Shandings lived there for so many years. He was on the board as well. My guy Fred Wiesahan, great friends with Red for so many years. Marie de Villa, great spot to check out, whether it's your parents, your aunt, your uncle, or maybe yourselves. Start to think about those senior living arrangements. Check them out at mariedevilla.com. Appliance discounters, and it's not just the great appliances, service department, repair. They get out quickly, just like they do delivering the appliances. We had a fridge issue, came out, it was fixed like that. It's unbelievable how quickly they get out and get things done. Our fridge is back up and running. Can't say enough good things about the folks at Appliance Discounters on the web, theappliancediscounters.com. B&G Tuck Pointing, mentioned this earlier, rainy season. If you need some waterproofing, they do that. It's not just Tuck Pointing. Foundation repair, all the things about your home, your garage, your space that keeps things, just think about solidified. That's really what they're all about from the tuck pointing and the waterproofing and the foundation repair, keeping things rock solid. They do that at bgtuckpointing.com or call them at 363-0525. And my guy, Jim Woodcock, Woody, I know you're worried. Triad Bank will be opening that second location, I promise you're going to be the first, and I'm going to make sure you're there for the ribbon cutting. I've been, t- I've been mentioning it for a while. Second location is coming. That's because things have been going great for the folks at Triad Bank because people have figured it out. They're going to help you with that loan. They're going to help you do more business. It's all about personal relationships. The CEO, Jim Regna, he knows that. He's a St. Louis guy. Went to Rosary High School went to UMSL, great staff that they have over at Triad Bank. Find them in Frontenac on Clayton Road or on the web at triadbanking.com. Hope you enjoyed the segment with Walt Jockety. We'll be mixing in a lot more baseball now as the season gets rolling. Some football thoughts and who knows what else we'll throw your way. You can find us at scoopswithdannymack.com, Spotify, and iTunes. As always, we appreciate you checking out the segment.